0: The evil of corruption reaches into every corner of the world. Corruption lies at the heart of the most urgent problems we face. Welcome to Confidential Brief, where Chad Thomas takes you into the stories behind the issues facing our society. Confidential Brief
1: is proudly brought to you by Rubber Roofs, the trusted name in roof waterproofing. You can find out more about them at www.rubberroofs.co.za. It's just gone five past the midday mark on this, the 5th of June. I cannot believe we're heading into the halfway mark of the year. This year has absolutely flown past. I think it's because I'm getting older, um, but whatever it is, the, the years seem to be getting shorter and the winters seem to be getting colder, That, despite the fact we are going through global warming. Coming up in a couple of minutes, I'm going to be chatting to Jason Grove. And what makes today's conversation different to our normal conversations is we're not going to be talking about the effects of corruption and fraud on a national basis. We're going to be talking about the need for communities to take up the banner. When it comes to looking after themselves Liaising with security specialists And of course interacting with community policing forums And their local South African police stations And the, the the topic of the conversation is how communities can do more And it's something that Jason at the moment Seems to be absolutely excelling at But before we get there It's going to be my rant of the week What is my rant this week? My rant this week is regarding the... Nandipa saga. It used to be the Tabo Besta saga, but now it's developed into the Nandipa saga and her urgent application, which was heard on an urgent basis. And I, I tend to understand the urgency because it comes down to somebody's liberty. But the fact that so many people engage in urgent applications in an already congested, um, if not complicated, justice system causes more problems and more harm than good. We have insurmountable evidence as a country in regards to what happened in respect of Tabo Besta. We know that they escaped South African soil, and we know that they were apprehended in Tanzania. She's brought forward an urgent, bail, an urgent application, not, not, on, not on the part of the bail, rather. The urgent application is on the part to state that she was abducted by South African authorities and to make a ruling of court based on what Advocate Katz Advocate states is a... Extradition disguised as a deportation Very interesting And when one looks If you had to listen to the argument One could say okay fine Maybe there should have been an extradition process But no In my humble opinion There should not have been an extradition process If somebody is in a country under false pretenses If they're traveling with a wanted individual If they have other people's passports on their person And they've displayed malafides, That country has the option to declare them prohibited And have them deported Which is in all probability what transpired here. My question is, in wasting the court's time in bringing this urgent application to state that the deportation was actually a disguised extradition leads me to ask, what is she wanting? Does she want that set aside? What then? Does she then want to be taken back to Tanzania when extradition hearing will be heard? What does she actually want? What is the, the ultimate objective of this? Because if they had to say, okay, fine, we believe that the way in which you were taken into custody was incorrect, they're not going to allow her back in Tanzania. They're going to have to release her from the court. And then automatically she's going to be rearrested for the charges against her in South Africa. With our courts facing massive congestion, with the lengthy time it's taking to see matters heard – We should not be allowing for our court system to be abused, especially in matters like this. You know, since Confidential Brief, my guest coming up is Jason Grove. And I want to remind you, of course, that the views expressed on the show aren't necessarily those of mine or that of Chai FM.
0: Confidential Brief is proudly brought to you by Rubber Roofs, the trusted name in roof waterproofing.
1: Our guest on Confidential Brief today is Jason Grove. He heads up several multinational companies, particularly financial services companies in the short-term insurance industry space. He's an avid adventure sports person, having summited five of the seven summits and attempted the other two, having polar hauled to both the North and South Poles. Something I am going to be chatting to him about during the show. But the most important reason we're chatting to him today is because he's currently spending a lot of time and energy on active crime prevention, running as chairperson of the Norwood Business Association, working hand in hand with the CPF, ratepayers associations, and all community-based security entities. The Business Association falls on the North Police Station, which has the unenviable task of having to secure and service a large area comprising a mix of residential, commercial and retail suburbs, with one of Johannesburg's main arterials, that being Louis Botha Avenue, running directly through the policing area. So this is a very interesting topic and something that's very important. Jason, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you, Chad. Thank you very much for having me here today.
1: So, said, before we get to the mountain climbing, <laughs> let's talk about the important stuff. Um, this association that was formed, the Nord Business Association, we've seen a lot of activity along Grant Avenue. We've seen cameras going up.
0: This is, this is the efforts of the association. That's correct. Uh, the association was formed in mid-December last year. And the reason being is that we saw quite an influx of crime busy coming into the area. The businesses which run along that strip were busy suffering in terms of the crime and impact it was busy having. And the reality is anywhere that you've got a business district which interacts with your community on a face-to-face value, if your crime content on the street goes really poor and you've got dirty streets, it's ungovernable. Effectively what happens is the property prices go down. Your community doesn't actually feel safe. They retreat back into their houses. And you have a sentiment that comes down into the area of complete degradation of the area. And that's what we were busy seeing in the Norwood district. At one point in time, we had displaced persons busy running up and down the street, probably in the region of about 87 of them, which is a huge amount of people busy wearing these bibs and acting as if they're car guards or security officers. But in the meantime, it's actually just contributing towards the crime, the disruption, um, housebreaking. We saw a lot of contact crimes busy coming up in the area because of it. And what was decided was that we needed to look at a new avenue on actually how to deal with this properly. And part of that was how do we actually galvanize community? How do we galvanize the businesses in the area? Get some backing from larger corporates like myself. Start busy talking to the security companies so they're not busy talking in isolation anymore because a lot of the security companies all want to do their own thing. But we actually all have to work together in terms of how we actually push things forward. And at the same time, creating a relationship with the police station of one of mutual respect and working together to actually find solutions in order to combat crime, look at the area, look at our public spaces, and how do we work with those to try and take back our streets? And the reality is once you start busy looking at it, just really from a business point of view, if you can actually clean up an area properly and you can make it safe so parents are happy to have their children walking on the street with them and going to shops and restaurants, you will find that you get a better set of tenants coming into your buildings. You find that your rentals that you can achieve are better. You find that people want to move into your area because it's a safer area. Um, at the same time, we're busy looking at our parks. Uh, we've got the Nord Park, which is a bit of an issue at this point in time. We're running with adoption agreements there with the state trying to take it over, get it fenced, get it actually cleaned up and, anywhere else in the world, when you look at those kind of public spaces, those are well sought after spaces. You start busy looking at our public spaces in South Africa, and generally they're run down, they're derelict, they have vagrancy issues, they've got crime issues, they've got prostitution issues, they've got drug issues, and these are all negatively impacting on your entire community. And by letting that slide, it just gets out of hand. And I sit on a number of community groups, not just Norwood. Um, if you have a look at what is seen as the Norwood Business District or what falls underneath our station, it's 25 square kilometers. It's one of the biggest station-operated areas that you'll find in Gauteng. And it runs all the way from Linksfield through to Houghton, up through to Melrose, uh, down to Glen Hazel. It's it's a large area that actually all impacts and When you start looking at the amount of neighborhoods, you've probably got about 14, 15 neighborhoods that actually fall underneath the station, and when you sit on the different community groups, you start to realize that the issues that, like, an Orange Grove has are the same issues that a Melrose has. It's the same issues that they're busy having in the Linksfield area. It's just everybody's acting in isolation. they 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 trying to get stuff done, but they're not actually quite galvanized to get there. So by forming the association, we're busy doing a proof of concept through the Norwood Business District. We have got security patrolling guards down on the streets now, busy actually checking and busy making sure that we can try and keep the crime content under control. We have put up camera systems, which are actually community-based cameras. They don't belong to any one security company. They belong to the community. These cameras then actually have a live feed back into our police station now. They are also monitored by an off-site security company on our behalf in order to make sure that there's nothing which has been missed in terms of any crime or incidents. And because they're live feed systems, part of what we decided to do and part of what my history has taught me from the insurance side of things is as insurance companies or financial services, we tend to do things reactively. We try and mitigate risk after something's actually happened. And the reality is we need to start busy doing things proactively. We need to start trying to mitigate those risks and starting to look at our areas that we're actually involved in way ahead of time. And we've decided that we'd rather spend money into communities up front and try and secure those communities to make them safe for everybody rather than after the horse has bolted and people have now been hurt and you're attending house robberies and home invasions, which are horrific scenes. Um, I have the unenviable task of... On a regular basis, when things go horribly wrong with my clients, actually going to their houses and dealing with that face-to-face kind of interaction after that kind of incident. And sometimes what you see there is actually scarring. It's, it's not stuff that should be happening to people. So by running these kind of initiatives now, we're busy pushing it in the right direction.
1: We're chatting to Jason Grove regarding the newest initiative to secure the community, both business and residents within NORD, and how this is going to act as a pilot project and be expanded into other areas. We'll be
0: back straight after this. Confidential Brief is proudly brought to you by Rubber Roofs, the trusted name in roof waterproofing.
1: Chatting today to Jason Grove from an organization known as the NORD Business Association. Now, full disclosure, I've known Jason for 25 years. We met in 1998 in Grant Avenue in Norwood. That was our hangout spot. It was Cafe Society. And Jason, with tears in my eyes, I do not recall back in 20, 25 years ago, back in 1998, ever imagining you climbing
0: mountains. Tell us a little bit more about this hobby of yours. Uh, so yeah, at some point in time in my life, I decided that I was actually going to start trying to climb mountains. So one day I woke up, and I thought, you know what, let's go try Kilimanjaro next week. And that was without any training whatsoever, and I thought this was going to be a great idea. And I booked on to a trip with a gentleman by the name of Sean Disney, which is one of South Africa's top climbers. I think probably the second person to have summited Everest under the South African banner. He's done both poles. He's done all seven summits as well. And I went to the first trip, and I battled. Uh, To put it bluntly, I woke up every morning, my legs didn't want to work, um, got mountain sickness, and for me it was a life-changing experience because you you push your body and your willpower and your mind to a different level altogether to actually get through a summit of a mountain. Um, It is a spiritual experience, and from there after I had finished the first one, on my way down I swore never again, and within three days after having come down, I'd actually booked the next trip. And what became – or what started off as what was supposed to be a once-off line item became a 15- to 16-year uh, dedicated training regime of having to try and get ready to go climb mountains, going to go do poles, recovering from injuries. Um, <clears throat> Everest, I got very sick on there. I picked up pulmonary edema, so that took me about a year to recover from and get my lungs rehabilitated. But it is something which, once it's with you, it just doesn't leave. It's a uh, – it's a humbling pastime whereby when you think you've got all of these other massive issues on your shoulders and you go climb a mountain, you work out that everything else is surmountable. You can get through it. You just realign and what seemed like a massive task the day before becomes a far easier one just by busy taking one step at a time and just trying to forward plan everything properly. It sounds
1: like an incredible journey. So if we rewind back to 98, full disclosure, you and I were part of cafe society. We were naughty. We were youngsters. The demographics of Nord started to change and we saw in the early 2000s there was a shift of business and the cafe society that you and I had grown so accustomed to started to change. We saw an influx of A new grouping of people and this, this grouping is now integrated and the whole demographic has changed. But realistically speaking, there have been ups and downs. Tell us a little bit about the journey of Grant Avenue and where we're hoping to see it go.
0: So Grant Avenue and Norwood itself has always gone through cycles. Um, we've watched those cycles happening all the way from 1998 to current date, whereby it has its highs, it has its lows. And I think this is endemic of any sort of business district. As a business district actually starts busy growing and becomes more popular, you'll find that you have an infiltration of crime and you'll find that you have an infiltration of – non-desirable kind of tenants coming in as well, trying to work off that, and that destabilizes the area. And then it goes back down, and then you have to start busy rebuilding it. Over time, the entire demographic of the Nord District has changed. It's become far more integrated, multiracial, multi-denominational, and obviously this also comes with its own pressure points, but at the same time it also comes with great opportunity. Um, the great thing about South Africa is we are a melting pot of everything, And if we can all kind of get past certain items and we can stand together, which is what we've managed to do with the MBAs, we've got all the different businesses on board. We've got all of the different security companies on board. No matter where their allegiances actually come from, they all understand that we have to work as a community and push it forward. The really great part is we've also got a great police station with us right now. We've got a station commander, which is coming to the area, which really wants to push forward and make a difference. And... Once you can get that kind of galvanization busy moving forward, it actually almost becomes an unstoppable line item. Like you said, this is a proof of concept. Uh, we're busy working with the CPF, the ratepayers associations, the different security companies, and the station, the government as a whole, to put this forward and say, guys, here is a new way of busy actually running your areas. Here's a new way of being able to actually see crime live as it's busy happening and to be able to actually deploy resources to a specific point rather than busy running patrols and having limited resources out there so you're actually busy missing on things as they're happening. The concept that we're busy looking at here is we're starting off on the main business road. But if we can get it right, we actually want to push the camera solution out into the entire neighborhoods so that on every contact point coming in and out, there's a feed, which means that if you can monitor who's coming in and out and you can monitor your crime live, you can actually then combat it properly. And where you have your instances of your majority of your contact crimes are busy happening late at night, when people are busy sleeping, when your resources are low. If you can have intelligence and cameras and you're using technology to a whole new level, that will actually alleviate a lot of the issues that we have into our areas. Um, And that's not just for the Nord Business District, and it's not just for the surrounding neighborhoods. If we can implement this across everywhere, it becomes a, a massive game changer for all of us.
1: So two things stand out for me, um, and, and I don't think so many of our listeners know this. Uh, firstly, you from the area. You and I joled in that area. That was the area where we we got to meet a lot of people, enjoy ourselves, celebrate a lot of things, and a lot of people... ...left Nord and they thought Nord were going to decline, you've done the opposite. You've invested into Nord, you've invested into Grant Avenue, you've become a significant property owner there. So without it coming across as jaded that you're looking after your business interests, you've expanded this to look after a community. So there there is a return on investment for you and for others that have invested there, but more importantly, there is the peace of mind of knowing that you're bringing about change... What happens to the displaced people that you spoke about earlier and how do we manage those people coming into the area so we don't come across as elitist?
0: So we are busy trying to work with them as much as what we can. Uh, we've got the different organizations busy having a chat to the guys. But what we've also found is as much as you try and get the guys taken into a shelter, 10 to 1, they we get them in there, they're positioned in the place, and within a couple of days they've actually left the shelter. What we're finding is with our displaced individuals, a lot of them are actually involved with drugs. Um, and by busy begging on the streets and busy getting handouts, it's busy feeding their drug addiction. So the community also needs to work out to not actually be giving out money on that basis. Um, when you're busy feeding a drug addiction, you, you're not actually helping anybody. You're actually just busy helping destabilize your entire community in your area. And the same people, if they don't get their hand out on the street, are then going to turn to contact crime and they're going to break into your house and they're going to steal small items like cell phones, laptops, break into cars. It's just something that we've actually seen in the area. It's part of the reason how we want to adopt the parks and the public open spaces is so that we can actually combat the, the drug dealing and the, the drug pushing and the criminality that's actually busy happening in those areas. Um, it's prevalent. We can see it, and it's also part of the reason how we now have got the live feed cameras, is we make it more and more difficult for people to actually be able to pedal and move illicit substances on our streets. Um, we've got the evidence available, the cops will be able to run the prosecutions, they'll be able to run the arrests. And that's what really starts to stabilize an area.
1: I think what what's an important point there, when we look at camera technology, it's also preventative. It's not just to go back and to look, this is what happened at this time, who broke into this car, or who bumped this car, or who went through a red robot. It's also preventative for those that are using an area as a pickup point for drugs. They know that their registration numbers are going to be recorded on a vehicle, and that they're going to be stopped during a transaction, uh, or they'll be stopping during a transaction that this could be used against them. So it keeps that element out, because obviously you're not going to have drug dealing
0: without a drug market. So 100%, but at the same time, what our cameras also do there is that they're live feed, which means that they're actively being monitored all of the time, um, whereas a lot of different camera systems are reactive. It is after an incident has happened. Then they go back and they check dates and they check times. They're not busy working with the intelligence inside the systems, which actually allow you to pinpoint something happening right here, right now, which then allows you to then notify all the different security companies, the police, and everybody else to react to a situation immediately. And I think that's where the major game change is going to be, is that the technology that we're busy implementing to come into the area is the latest technology that crime combating forces are busy using around the world.
1: I think what what's important to me that stands out in this conversation is the fact that your organization, the Nord Business Association, was launched in December 2022. That's yeah 22. yeah yeah six months ago um just over six months ago, and during that time you've created relationships with other with, with other associations with the community as a whole you've been able to install the this electronic system as well as have patrols in place. I think my question to you would be how's it been received? By security companies, by other community-based organizations And most importantly,
0: organizations such as the Community Policing Forum and and SAPS So in terms of our relationship with SAPS and CPF, it has been received exceptionally well Uh, We've got a very close working relationship with them In terms of how to galvanize this and push it forward Because for them, they'd like to see this go out through across multiple neighborhoods Multiple business districts Because it is the future of policing whether no matter how you look at it, it is the way to go forward. And the reality is with our tight resources in this country and the government resourcing of SAPs, we businesses have to step up. And we've got a social responsibility. Now we can either put it down to this or we can spend it somewhere else. I say let's rather put it into crime prevention because once you prevent crime in an area, you actually make your area better for your citizens. And that's looking after everybody across the board, and we've seen how this works. Um, It has got viability. We, the in terms of the ratepayers' association, they are on board with us as well. We do talk to them. Um, there were one or two hiccups to start off with But we busy galvanizing and working our way forward On how we now take this out to the neighborhoods And we're working closely with them on the park adoptions Because public open spaces are something that actually falls underneath The Ratepayers Association at the end of the day they they integrally involved in that um, In terms of the security companies We've had some mixed responses on that. Uh, some of them didn't really like the fact that we were implementing camera systems and busy putting them into place and making them community-based systems, not actually belonging to any one company. Uh, but at the same time, we've also had a multitude of companies which are saying this helps them in terms of actually being able to look at how they patrol an area better, how we actually run our stats, how we look at who's busy responding, and gives them capability to be able to actually pick up information they never had previously.
1: Now, you're a businessman, so when you look at this product that you, you're presenting, it's a community-based product and you're looking at proof of concept to roll it out to others. It's been tried so many times by so many different organizations and associations. As a businessman, if somebody had to say, what's the unique selling point in respect of this association? What's going to make this association work where others have failed? What's your answer to that?
0: So we're approaching this from a business aspect. Um, when we looked at it, we said, you know, as much as, yes, generally you've got your MPOs, which come on live, and you've got people just kind of step up, and they say, here's my free time, and I'll give up my time when and how I can to actually make something work. That's where we think that these things fall down, because the reality is you've got time today. But in six months' time, you don't have that time. And other people are excited now, and then they're not excited. We started this off on the basis of, we're actually going to hire people into the MPO. They're going to have dedicated job functionality in there. It's a full-time job, which means that this thing gets operated as a business. It gets dealt with correctly. It has its core responsibilities. It has its targets that it has to meet, and there are people who are available to be able to deal with that daily, um, which then galvanizes us slightly differently. It's no longer an ad hoc line item that may or may not actually happen. It is there, and it's busy pushing forward.
1: so if I can encapsulate that you you're not relying on volunteers who may be able to make time, but then there may be a, a, a an emergency at home that deprives them. You actually have employees that are going to be running with the project. That's correct. And as it stands right now, what's been achieved in the last six months?
0: So in the last six months, we've managed to clean up the streets of Norwood quite drastically in terms of the amount of people. We've got it down from 87 to approximately 15 displaced individuals. We're trying to get those on board with the Norwood SAS police station to actually get them properly regulated, uniformed, and actually booked in as patrollers in blue. Uh, we are also proceeding a youth upliftment program on the same basis, whereby we're looking for youth which have graduated from school but are looking for jobs, and they're looking for a ability to actually then go and get a further education, so we're trying to use this format as a stepping stone for that. Um, we've also put up these camera systems in the last five and a half months, and we've got that running right across the whole of Grant Avenue from where it's Grant and Ivy through to the top where it is, the police station road. We've deployed 28 static cameras, and there are five LPR cameras, which are linked back up to SAPS for police uh, looking at the motor vehicles, which are wanted. And then actual bodies on the ground? Bodies on the ground at this point in time. Patrollers on ground, we've got two right now. We're looking to deploy another 30 in the next uh, two months. Uh, so they can run in different shifts and look after the streets. That's where we're going to be looking to do the street patrolling side of it and the upliftment of the youth program. Um, and I'm
1: assuming that,
0: because it sounds like an overkill
1: when you talk about 30, I'm assuming you're going to go shifts. street by street.
0: So it's street by street, and it's also busy running in shifts. You've got to remember, Grant Avenue is not exactly a small Grant. It's, it's a business district. We've probably got about 10 streets with uh, businesses going down half a block on each side of it between Ivy and the top, and there's 247 businesses sure. just in that small part of the district. If you look at what is sector three that falls underneath our police station, we have four and a half thousand businesses in that district alone. Now, that is a massive pool. That's huge. Um, that's how I'm saying this is a POC line item because if we can galvanize this and get all the businesses inside the area to look after all of the community as a whole, be it Orange Grove, be it Louis Buerta, be it um, the Sydenham area, be it through to Huddle, Linksfield, Melrose, and we actually work as a team, uh, once you get that kind of input, it, it becomes an unstoppable force. And then from there, you take it as a cookie cutter and you move it into the next areas.
1: Today we're not talking fraud and corruption, we're talking about security and how beneficial it is to communities, be it residents and businesses, and how businesses are taking the initiative by partnering with the public and private sector to secure their assets. We're chatting to Jason Gravia and the conversation is going to continue straight after this.
0: Confidential Brief is proudly brought to you by Rubber Roofs, the trusted name in roof waterproofing.
1: You're listening to Confidential Brief live in Johannesburg on 101.9 FM and streaming worldwide. On ChaiFM.com, today's insert will be uploaded as a podcast to ChaiFM.com and also to our Facebook page, which is Confidential Brief Radio Show. I've been going on during the show that we're not talking about the usual, which is foreign corruption on a national basis and how it impacts each and every one of us. But trust me, foreign corruption, even at localised level, does affect us, and that's why there's a need for communities to take a far stronger role. The community that listen to this station have taken initiatives very seriously in the past, and now that our station footprint has grown exponentially, other communities are looking towards our community to find ways in which they can try make their lifestyle better for them, their children, their neighbors, and those who are visiting their areas. One of those people, of course, is, is Jason Grove and he's taken on this initiative in Norwood and what he's told us to date sounds absolutely incredible in terms of what's been accomplished in such a short space of time.
0: Is there longevity to a project such as this? So, Chad, there definitely is. At the end of the day, because we're busy galvanizing businesses behind it, as Corporates, we actually have a social responsibility line item. We can decide where that's going to be, whether it be donating through to the SPCA, whether it's donating into crime prevention line items. We need to look at where that is going to be. And this has got that kind of capability whereby you know where your funds are going, you know what they're busy doing, you know what the deliverables are going to be, and you know how you're busy taking it forward. Like I also said, we've also got a youth upliftment program whereby we're going to be taking youngsters in training them up, putting them in underneath the police station as patrollers in blue, so technically bobbies on the beat, uh, non-armed, but because we're busy putting them in underneath the police station and the CPF, they are then seen as peace officers. They're actually underneath the police station, which allows for us to have an impact in terms of community and businesses supporting the process, but actually busy increasing our capabilities on our street from a law enforcement point of view. And with the camera systems and the radio systems in place, if something happens, they have got the capability then to actually call on the police station to respond, as well as the security companies in the area to respond and give them assistance. So that side of it with the youth upliftment side, which we're quite excited about, is we're also busy putting onto it an education process. So we're busy looking at three or four different lines, possibly going into law enforcement, security, um, plumbing, electrical solar as line items that these youngsters can actually then get bursaries on and become educated. So I don't want them to see being a patrol on the street as being a vocation. It is a stepping stone to actually being able to go and have a proper education and a fruitful life going forward in terms of an income resource. Support from Nord? So support from Nord has been outstanding. Um, we probably have about of the businesses in the North District actually on board already. I approached this on the basis of let's build it and then they'll come. So we, we started off with the street patrolling and getting some guys onto the ground and starting to clean up the ground. We then looked and said, okay, now let's deploy the camera systems and get those into place so that we can actually show the capabilities of what we've been doing. It's very difficult to get people to buy into something when they can't see what's actually happening. Um, It's an old adage. Everybody sits behind their computers or on their phones and they moan about everything and they want things changed, but they don't necessarily get up themselves and go and do it. At the same time, if they can't see that something's busy happening, people are not very supportive of things that they can't see. So here we've actually pushed it out. We are going to start a process whereby we're going to go knock on doors of every business in that area and say, guys, this is what we're busy doing. This is how it's busy working. Come on board. Let's take us all forward as a community. And the reality is any business which is inside the area that is not really looking to help stabilize its area and its community, is that actually a business that you want in your area? Um, people need to stop busy thinking about where their clients are. What the, was he coming through to? And how do you look after your clients? So for me, it's a no-brainer.
1: For me, the million-dollar question, and I know it's been a short time, but you've been in existence for six months. Have you seen any changes since you've started incepting
0: these projects? So I see the changes on a daily basis now. I remember what Nord looked like in December. Um, I remember what our streets looked like. I remember the chaos that we had there. If you go and take a walk up and down Grant Avenue now, it is a far more hospitable place. You can take a walk there with your wife. You can take a walk there with your daughter. Um, where we are finding our pressure points to be coming through is actually with load shedding. Once the lights go out, um, everything seems to kind of creep out from the middle of nowhere. We are starting to talk to the landlords about putting solar lights up onto their buildings. So I know that on the building which I'm involved with, which is the factory in Norwood, we've already gone and put up solar lighting onto the building. So whether there's load shedding or not, we're actually throwing light onto the street. Um, Stats show us that if you've got light in an area, you have less crime. It's a a very simple thing. Crime likes the dark. So we're trying to combat that side of it as well. How do you keep the interest
1: of the community and the business owners? They see the changes. They feel the changes.
0: Don't you feel a need to continue to evolve? So part of that is busy working together with our ratepayers associations. Once we've got certain mile, uh, milestones in place, we can then start obviously looking at community-based projects. So something that used to happen many years ago, and you would know this, was the Norwood Mardi Gras. This is something which has not happened in Norwood probably for 10, 15 years, and that's because crime went up. It just became unsafe. So once we've got milestones out of the way and we've actually secured the area, we can then start those kind of things. We can start busy looking at the Mardi Gras again. We can start busy looking at, like, Christmas in July. We can do street lights in December. These are all things that bring a community together and create an ambience of Everybody feeling like they're part of something, but at the same time inside a secure environment. And that's where we're busy heading to with the various organizations on all of this. Would this
1: work if you had to expand to, say, Louis Botha Avenue?
0: I believe it would. The reality is Louis Botha Avenue has become derelict. Um, our biggest issue there is that we've got landlords which are absent. Uh, they've moved out of the country, or they just don't care, and they just care about busy getting a rental line in. Landlords' attitudes towards how they look after their buildings And not being slumlords needs to actually adapt and change We need assistance actually from the government In terms of bylaw enforcement as well as land use enforcement And the guys need to come in and actually do full raids on those buildings I hate to say it And work their way through Whether it be on Grant Avenue Whether it be on Lui Buerta Whether it be anywhere else These things do need to happen um, what I can tell you is that since we had the new station commander come in, which was also in December, there have been a number of um, initiatives which have been run already on Louis Buerta. I believe that they've probably closed down approximately 13 scrapyards on the Louis Werta district. Now, scrap metal is a big thing which is involving crime. It's your copper. It's the guys who break into your house. It's basically busy stealing. Um, I know they've also been pushing a lot on the pawn shops and busy looking at what's busy going on there. Uh, So there are active line items who are happening on a regular basis throughout our area trying to curtail and push back on the crime itself. Um, The guys are busy. It's it's a work in progress, but it it will get there.
1: Well, I, for one, have always stood for community-based projects. I believe that if we can make our environment secure and we can – Teach those around us The importance of it It can become something from a national perspective We need pride in where we stay We need pride in where we work And that pride If we all have it It can extend and it can change this country Even from the perspective Of what our show normally is about Which is fraud and corruption Jason, if people want to get involved in the NBA project How do they get hold of you? How do they find out more about the project? So
0: I will actually give out my cell phone number on this. It's 0762579482. They can make contact with me directly, and then from there, I can push them to the correct people, which are the people who are busy working the project every single day.
1: Okay, we're going to upload that number to the Conventional Brief radio show. But just one last time for the listeners, that number again is
0: 0762579482.
1: Jason, it's it's. For me, it's very satisfying knowing that we have business owners investing in their communities. Everybody's so nervous about everybody leaving our country and our revenue exiting South Africa. For me, it's comforting knowing that there's projects such as this.
0: So the reality is, Chad, without projects like this, we are actually lost. We need to push forward, and the reality is there's a lot of people in this country which are actually still very dedicated to this country. They want to see it come forward. And if people can get over the hurdles of their religion, their cultural backgrounds, and actually work together and put politics one side, you will find that there's a lot of people with the same kind of mindset that you actually just want to see things work, be made better, and go forward. And the reality is we do need businesses to galvanize. We need them to work with the state. We need them to work with the communities. And we'll take ourselves forward on that basis.
1: Well, the proof is in the pudding. I went to pick up some takeaways in Nord the other day for my staff. We're based in Houghton. And for the first time in many years, I wasn't rushed by dozens of of car guards using guilt trip to obviously get their money, which we know in some instances very sadly is used to get their next fix of drugs. And it's these small examples, the clean roads, the fact that um, you're able to go back to that cafe society environment that you and I um, met at so, so many years ago. 25 years ago, to be, precise, to be precise, I can't believe it, 1998, time flies. It, it just for me, it's very satisfying. And for that, I thank you, the community thanks you, and we just hope that there's more initiatives like this going forward.
0: Thank you very much, Chad. If you want to find
1: out more, Jason's details are going to be uploaded to the Confidential Brief radio show Facebook page, and a podcast of today's show will be uploaded to the FM website, which is www.gaifm.com. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'd like to thank our sponsor, Rubber Roofs, the trust name in roof waterproofing, for bringing you Confidential Brief. We'll be back same time, same place next week.